Hello everyone and welcome to A New Direction. My name is Jay Izzo and I have an amazing show tonight. I am telling you, this show is unfreaking believable I have Bill Treasurer. He is... He's amazing. Okay, he wrote this book. This book, I'm holding it up for those people who are watching us on Facebook Live. It's called Courage Goes to Work. It's absolutely brilliant. The book is fabulous. I see people joining us live already all over on Facebook Live and, and also on CastBox FM, where we're also live, doing a live cast right now. And uh, by the way, we want to thank all those folks out there on CastBox FM for allowing us to do the live cast. And of course, I want to thank all of you for being out there and uh, sharing with me on a Facebook Live. And of course, all of you listening to this on a podcast eventually. You know what? Thank you for listening. Especially, I got I to give a shout out to Ronit, who is on a beach in Israel. And she said to me at the gym, she goes, will you, will you mention my name on your show? And I said, okay, you know what? If you're going to be on a beach in Israel, Ronit, because Israel is the number three country in the world that downloads my show. You know what, Ronit? I hope you're having a great time at the beach. So there it is. There's your mention on A New Direction. So we're going to have a great time with Bill Treasure. He's absolutely fantastic. We're going to love it. I'm just telling you how to build backbones, boost performance, and get results. This book is not just a business book. This book is a life book. And uh, Bill's going to talk about that. But it's absolutely outstanding. You're going to love it. I promise you. But before we do that, let's do what we do every week. Why? Right? And what is that? Well, we check in with the four areas of your life. You know, I believe that we are four-part people. We are physical people. We are mental people. We're emotional people. And we're spiritual people. And I want to check in with you today. Where are you at from week to week, right? So, on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being miserable, 10 being outstanding, where are you at physically today? How are you doing today? Are you doing, you know, you're physically feeling okay, right? What, what What's going on? Right? you 3? Are you 7? You know, are you getting 8? Right? Why is that? Right? That's the first question. And then the second question is, what can you do to improve the number, right? So if you're three, how do you get to a four? If you're seven, how do you get to eight? I, I don't need you to get from a three to a ten, all right? I really don't. It's okay. You can, you can be a three to a four. I just want you to get better, right? One step at a time. So what do you need to do, right? Do you maybe need to take a little extra walks, get in the gym, eat right, get your hands out of the chips, stop drinking the sodas. I don't know. You, you know, you know, put put this stuff down. Make the portion size smaller, right? Some of us are guilty of too much portion size, right? So. You know, maybe just eating the right thing. So what do you need to do to improve that number physically and make yourself better physically? All right, you got that. And so many people are joining the show. Thank you so much for doing that. And then also, all right, so let's move on. You got your physical number, right? You got that number? Great. So now let's talk about your second number, your mental number. What do I mean by that? Well, we have two halves of our brain, right? You know, and you know, right, I studied psychology. So, I, you know, and I taught psychology classes and I love brain anatomy and function, right? So, you know, we have this right brain and this left brain and it's connected by this corpus callosum. I know I just got really geeky there, but that's okay. So you got to feed both halves of your brain though, right? The right side of your brain's creative. The left side of your brain's logical. What are you doing to feed your brain, right? What are you feeding it, right? Are you feeding it garbage or are you feeding it good things? Like this show is a really good thing. It actually exercises both sides of your brain because it makes you think creatively and it makes you think logically at the same time. But there's other ways to do that, right? You can, you can, you know, you can read really good books. You can take up an instrument. You can uh, learn a foreign language to exercise both halves of your brain. There's a lot of ways to do it, but it's got to be good things, right? Got to be consuming it with good things. So how are you doing? What's that number on a scale of one to 10? All right. So you got two numbers, right? You got a physical number, a mental number. And then what about emotionally? What do I mean by that? Well, Sometimes you'll hear phrases and terms like emotional quotient or emotional intelligence throw around. Basically, I just want to know how well are you able to control your emotions, okay? So do the little things bother you, 
right? Because, you know, the truth of the matter is, right, you have complete control over your emotions if you want to, right? You, to blame someone else for how you feel is actually ridiculous because the truth of the matter is you have a choice of how you want to feel. Because if somebody else controls how you feel, well, then they own you and you don't want that, right? So on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being miserable, 10 being outstanding, what's your emotional level? How well are you able to control your emotions, right? That's the first part of the emotional quotient, emotional intelligent thing. But the second part of it is how well are you able to tune into the emotions of others, right? Can you relate to their emotions? Are you willing to relate to their emotions? All right, that, that's all part of that whole emotional quotient, emotional intelligence. So, so on a scale of one to ten, one being miserable, ten being outstanding, where are you at emotionally? All right, you got your three numbers, right? Physical, mental, emotional, and then finally, spiritually. And what do I mean by spiritually? Well, you know, there are things that science and emotions and mental activity just can't explain. <laughs> and when you take all that thing out, there's still stuff left. And that's probably a lot of spiritual stuff, meaning that there's things that we can't explain that center us and give us peace and that 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 we just don't completely understand, but that we know that there's something else there. And that's the spiritual side of you. And a lot of people believe in a lot of different things. So it could be God. It could be they get they believe in nature. They, they sometimes make themselves their own God and they believe that they're in control of their own universe. And sometimes it's karma. It could be a variety of different things. Right, but there is something out there beyond you, and I want to know what that is that that you come back to center to doing, okay? Whatever that may be, and if it is God, how's that number going for you on a scale of one to ten, right? And 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 if it's nature, what's that number look like for you, right? So you have four numbers, right? You've got the physical, the mental, the emotional, the spiritual. Well, those four numbers are like the legs of a table, right? And if that table's uneven and you have a plate on that table, it makes it kind of hard to eat, doesn't it? But at the same time, if the table's too low, right, and you're sitting in a normal chair, it also makes it difficult to eat off that table. So the whole goal for you is to raise those up, raise them up evenly, being well-balanced in all the areas of your life, because we also know that every other area affects every other area. And we do that. And that brings me to my next guest. My next guest is outstanding. His name is Bill Treasurer. He's the founder of Giant Leap Consulting, a courage-building company and the author of the international bestseller, Courage Goes to Work. And wow, we're going to do that today. He is the author of the Courageous Leadership Training Guide, the world's only off-the-shelf facility training program, and his courage-building workshops have been taught to thousands of executives in 11 countries and five continents. He is unbelievable. Uh, he, For two decades, he's uh, done leadership and success programs. He's, uh, done, he's worked in organizations such as NASA, Saks, Lenovo, eBay, UBS, the Pittsburgh Pirates, names that you may have heard of. I don't know, maybe once or twice you may have heard of. Yeah, he's worked with those. Prior to finding Giant Leap Consulting, Burr, Bill served as ex executive in Accenture's change management and human performance practice. I dare you to say that twice really quickly. And eventually became the $35 billion company's first full time internal executive coach. He attended West Virginia University on a full athletic scholarship for springboard diving and earned his master's degree from the University of Wisconsin Green Bay. Ladies and gentlemen, and also I need to say this because this is real important to Bill and I know that it is. You know what? His probably the most important thing that he does though is that he's the husband to his wife Shannon and he's a father to their three amazing children, Alex, Bina, and Ian. And I know that's really important too. So ladies and gentlemen, Please welcome to the show, Bill Treasure. Bill, welcome to A New Direction. Jay Izzo, amazing. I'm already so psyched up. You, you've got me all frothy to do this. I can't <laughs> wait. There's only one other place that I'd rather be right now, okay. and that is on a beach in Israel, and you've got us there too. <laughs> I do. I, You know, it's so funny. I, 
I can't believe that. Okay, first of all, I'm in 24 countries around the world that download the show, right? So all you countries around the world, thank you for downloading the show. And I know so many of you are listening to me live, actually, in another country or watching me live in another country. And I am really grateful to all of you because this would that was not part of the dream, okay? I just thought we were going to do a really good show and I was going to help a lot of people. I had no idea that it would expand like this. So it's really kind of fun, Bill. I, I've, I've really enjoyed it. Um, so let me just say this. By the way, Bill Treasure and his book, by the which I'm holding up there, but you can see Courage Goes to Work, is brought to you today by, who else? Inline business brokers and advisors. Are you a business owner? Well, at some point, you're going to need the services of an experienced business broker. Selling your business is a huge decision. Make sure you build your deal team starting with the internationally known experts at Inline Business Brokers and Advisors. You can learn more by going to inline.com, that's E-N-L-I-G-N.com, and Linda Craft and Team Realtors, no matter where you're at in the world, right? Linda Craft can help you match up with the best expert to help you sell or buy your home, and if you happen to be in the Research Triangle Park, you can re- you can really learn why they are the legends of customer service when it comes to real estate. So check them out, and you can, you can by going to lindacraft.com, L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T.com, and the t-shirt shout of the week is brought to you by Holt Physical Therapy. Yes, they have they have helped me. They can help you. And their motto is, we get you back in the game. And I tell you, they they have, after four rotator cuffs torn on both shoulders, total knee replacement, and about five knee surgeries, I am still lifting as heavy and as hard as I ever have. And so I am so grateful to Holt Physical Therapy for what they've done for me. But they can do the same thing for you. They can get you back into the game. And we thank them for sending me the T-shirt. So we appreciate that. So, Bill... Uh, we're back with Bill Treasure and and Courage Goes to Work. So, Bill, first of all, I love this book. I I didn't know for a second when I first read it. I was kind of like, oh, okay, well, what's he gonna do here? What, what's he trying to do? You know, is this, you know, what what's what's the goal here? What's he trying to do here? Right? And then I start reading the book and I go, oh. Oh, that's really good, right? And I, it's you don't get too far into the book when all of a sudden you realize you start talking about things like look before you leap in, in the first chapter, but then you go into this whole little jumping thing where you right you you jump first and create safety and harness fear and modulate comfort and and you you're gonna we're gonna talk through that I want to because I think it's really important, but it's all part of this trust. I mean, it's all part of this courage, right? There's this, there's these three parts of courage, try courage, trust courage, and tell courage. So how do we start and put those, all those pieces together? Because I really want to jump in. So I'm going to let you start with us. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for honoring the work, right? Like I appreciate the the homework that you did to get immersed in the book and uh, I very much appreciate it. And I, I think that the place to start for anybody when they're wanting to be more courageous is to think first about why, why put their courage mojo towards something in the first place. Yeah. You have to have a a goal that is worthy of the application of your courage, something that you're trying to get done or something you don't yet have but really want to have that is worthy of the application and activation of your courage. Mm. In my case, uh, as you know, some of the the backstory of of me is, I mean, it really starts with my own, uh, I guess call it an inadequacy, right? Like I've met a lot of radio interviewers and radio personalities who started out as stutterers, 
Hmm. It, it's un uncanny. It's a higher population of stutterers go into that business than normal. <laughs> and and I think it's the same for people like me. I have a profound fear of heights. And when you have some sort of limitation or something that's holding you back, it kind of pokes you in the chest like a schoolyard bully and says, hey, you're scared of me. What are you going to do about it? And then you have a choice. Am I going to like run away from my potential or am I going to contend with this thing that is holding me back? And in my case, it was a profound fear of heights. But as you know from reading the book, I worked with a coach, literally a coach, uh, a, a athletic coach, who helped me incrementally deal with my fear of heights, acquire a high board list of dives. I got a scholarship to college, but then I continued and I became a world-class high diver diving from 100-foot platforms into small pools traveling at speeds in excess of 50 miles an hour into pools that were 10 feet deep all because of a coach who held me accountable to my own potential and wouldn't let me walk away from that potential and in the process jay helped me discover my courage and it turned me on to the whole idea of courage for the rest of my life now I help people and organizations take whatever metaphorical high dives they might be facing. You, you know, what I found interesting about this when I was reading this book, and you kept mentioning that you were with the USA High Diving Team and everything, and I was kind of going, okay, and you're afraid of heights. <laughs> <laughs> because, okay, so I am too, by the way. I am, I am, I have this tremendous fear of heights. I, I, don't make any bones about it. I tell people I get dizzy on a step stool, uh, which is why I choose not to um, change light bulbs in my house. Uh, is what, I, is what I, and it gets me out of a lot of things. My wife doesn't believe it, but it's actually really true. Um, but no, I mean overcoming fear is hard. It it, 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 because fear is not. I think the one thing that I what I loved about when I was reading your book was I was going, you know, the truth of the matter is fear does not go away. I mean, you you got you have to just do it afraid. And you know, you you were talking about in the book how you know you you gradually progressed to get to that point where you, um, you know, where you could actually get to the higher and higher heights and do it. And I was thinking about my psychology background, and we called that um, behavior through successive approximations, right? Where mm -hmm. you were raising you were raising the level of the board higher and higher and higher. Mm -hmm. How do we do that in business, though? I mean, how do we do that in a business application where we do the success of approximations? I think you called it, you had a different name for it, um, something ups, uh, lead ups. Oh, lead, lead ups, up, lead right. Ups. Yeah. Yeah, and in uh, in the book that I wrote before Courage Goes to Work, I came into contact with a phrase called the mere exposure effect. The more you mm -hmm. get merely exposed to something over time, if you continue to your, uh, expose yourself to it, you become desensitized to it. Um, now, you, you said something interesting there as well as that, you know, when you feel fear like that, you just got to do it. You still are afraid. This is one of the things that was right. a, a, like a revelation for me when I was writing the book Courage Goes to Work. And, and remember, I was trying to figure out why did the guy who was afraid of heights become a high diver? That was my right, question right, to myself. Right. And, and what I discovered is that courage is not the absence of fear. We, you know, you see those bumper stickers, you know. No fear. 
What I tell people is no brains because that ain't courage. That, right. Courage is really right. afraid. When, right. you're, when you're afraid and your knees are chattering and your teeth are chattering and your knees are knocking and your skin is getting blotchy and your palms are sweating and your eyes are dilating, but you're doing the thing you're afraid of, that's what courage is. So courage right. is fearful, not fearlessness. Uh, and so it, lead ups. You know, no diver in their right mind would do one jump from 100 feet without first doing 100 jumps from one foot. You right. incrementally, you desensitize yourself for one, but you you experience and you modulate between comfort and discomfort. You go out into discomfort and you're uncomfortable. There's no doubt about it. Right. But if you stay at that uncomfortable place long enough, you become comfortable with discomfort. And after a while, you may, in fact, grow bored. And boredom's a great clue. Boredom's a, a time to amp up the risk. And that's when you go and you raise the height higher. So you start with these little lead ups. You don't do a giant leap without first doing preparatory little lead ups. Right. So so here you, you use the phrase in in your book called comfortable. <laughs> I loved the phrase comfortable, right? Because we, I know that there is a default in us and I, I understand why. I, and I want to hear your, I understand it psychologically, but let's talk about being comfortable in, in, you know, whether you're an employee or whether you're a manager, what do you mean when you say comfortable? What I mean is, you know, it's sort of a mixture between comfort and, and comfort can settle in and can become contentment. But after a while, that can become a, a dangerous proposition for a human being because you need some level of excitement. You need some level of stirring things up and, and to be able to move out into discomfort. But you can become comfortable with low-level tolerance of fear. And you become comfortable in a fearful situation if it's at low levels for a long period of time. There's a lot of people who have sold their soul to big machine corporate environments that are unhappy but strap on their you know clothes at each day uh, clothes and go to work with this low level tolerance for pain and become comfortable they become comfortable sort of in a you know in their tiny cage and not willing to rattle the cage at all i'm i and you i i know uh, you and I are just not that person. Right, I right. did it for a while, but um, there were some significant life events that happened for me, and I just said, you know what? I'm not going to do it. Uh, I'm not going to live this uh, compromised way, but a lot of people do. It's a safe way out, even though it's uncomfortable and it's uh, – sorry, it's comfortable and it's fearful. Yeah, I I, I feel bad for them. I, You and I before, what people don't know, I'm pulling back the curtain again on the show – but I, I talked to all the guests, and you and I are talking. I, you know, I gave you the example that, you know, well, you know, the truth of the matter is, I've, I've been very good at tell courage, uh, <laughs> and it's cost me uh, at times where I, I'm, if I believe that someone is being hurt by what's being done, I will say this is wrong, and we need to re-examine that this is wrong because we're hurting, you know, whoever in the process of whatever we're about to change here. And I don't care who you are. I, I, I've gotten in trouble, you know, you know, in uh, large universities uh, that will go nameless that where I have just said, stated just quite bluntly and boldly, this is wrong. Why? And, and people will shrink away from this whole idea of how, oh, how dare you say anything? Don't do that. Right. Because you could be costing art. They're mad at me because I'm like, I'm going to cost them their job. Right. Right. 
right? It's that, but there's a fear. They, they've gotten comfortable where they're at, but they're afraid at the same time of being able to say anything because, ooh, you know, I just, you know what? Just let me do my job. Don't let me, don't let me, don't let me, don't bother me. Don't make any waves. And yeah. please, and, and for crying out loud, I know you're in my same department, so would you, Jay, would you please shut up because you're going to ruin it for the rest of us, right? <laughs> right. You know, it's a, that person, they'll be sitting in their cubicle thinking it, can, low-level complaints to their friends around them. This place sucks. Yeah. I don't want to work here anymore. My boss is terrible. And yet they're there for 20 years saying the same comments over and over uh, and not doing any change in their own life, whether it means going to someplace else or doing something constructive to make it better. So they become comfortable. They be sort of stuck in comfort and fear mixed together. That's awesome. Hey, we're talking with Bill Treasurer. He wrote this book that I'm holding up that I know you can't see it, you podcast listeners. I know. And you cast FM listeners, cast box FM listeners. I know you can't see it either. But you know what? The Facebook Live listeners can. Watchers. <laughs> well, they can be listening too. But if they want to look over to their computer, they can watch it, right? I'm talking to Bill Treasurer. He's a CEO. Uh, 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 uh. Chief Encouragement Officer. Uh, see what I did there? Well, actually, he did it. All right. And the book is entitled Courage Goes to Work, How to Build Backbones, Boost Performance, and Get Results. Beautiful book. This is the 10th anniversary edition that I'm holding up right now. Uh, The book is outstanding. I'm just going to tell you that it's more than a business book, first of all. Okay. This is a book that's going to affect your career. This is a book that's going to affect your life. You can take these same exact principles. You can apply them to your marriage, any relationships that you have, any, uh, I don't care if this is a work situation, if you're uh, part of a board that you're on, uh, these principles apply. And the book is absolutely outstanding. It's available at Amazon, and it's also available at your favorite bookstore. If they do not have it at your favorite bookstore, ask them why and tell them to get it there immediately. And then tell them to face the book out, just as I'm showing it to you right now. Not the spine, the book, right? The full face of the book so that everybody can see it because this is a great book. And it's going to be life-changing for you just as it has been for me, and you're going to love this book. And he's being brought to you today by Inline Business Brokers and Advisors. And Inline literally has helped thousands of clients in the sale purchase of businesses and when it's time to sell your business, contact the internationally known professionals at Inline Business Brokers and Advisors. And you can learn more by going to Inline.com. That's E-N-L-I-G-N.com. And Linda Craft and Team Realtors, no matter where you're at in the world, Linda Craft and her team can help you find the right real estate professional to help you sell or buy your next home. And if you happen to be in the Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill, Greater Research Triangle Park area, you know what? Why don't you go in and say hello and learn why they are the legends of customer service and experience. So we thank them and Bill as well for being here. So Bill, when we one of the things that you talk about early on in this book and it's pretty it's pretty early on cuz this book's three sections uh, actually and which I love the way you did that that you put this in three sections. But in that first section you actually have this kind of graduating scale of behavior before we get to try, trust and tell. You actually have this thing about you know you got to jump and and then you know we've got to create we've got to create you know some safety. Talk to us about walking us through those stages and why that's important before we even start talking about uh, courage. Sure, and and keep in mind, Jay, I'm 57 years old, so I don't remember the steps. <laughs> so you may have to promise. No, 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 we're time. fine. I know the first one is jump first. So, yeah, so the right. first thing you got, you know, if you're trying to create a climate that encourages other people right. to be courageous themselves. 
then you've got to be the first one up and off whatever high dive platform you're asking them to take. You can't be remote from it, leading from afar. You've got to be the first one up and off. You've got to role model the courageous behavior you're wanting to see in others, and I call that jumping first. Okay. The next level you talk about is creating safety. And let me tell you something that I before you go into this, because the example that you gave of your daughter, Bina, you call her Bina, mm-hmm. And the trampoline. And I loved the story and how she found this safety on the trampoline. So, yeah. so it, okay, so here we jump right now. Talk about how that all relates to create, uh, creating safety. Sure. So creating safety, you know, it, you as a leader uh, or anybody in, in the workplace, but in particular leaders, you have, you know, the responsibility to make it a safe environment, like physically safe, like people need to go to work and not have to worry that they're not going to come home at the end of the day. But more than that, you have to also create psychologically safety, a psychological safe environment where people are free to extend themselves, to voice their true opinions, to try new things and be psychologically safe and feel supported by you as a leader. If you'd like, I can share the story about Bina. I would love to. Yeah, I think it's a great story. And I think it makes a lot of sense because I love the application. So, yes, please. So my daughter, Bina, uh, as you know, because you read the book, she was born with cerebral palsy and she's deaf. And when she and she, you know, she has a twin brother who has no physical uh, challenges at all. And when Bina was little, uh, it became evident that something was different. Right. She wouldn't turn over. And my son, Alex, would turn over and uh, then my son Alex would crawl, Bina wouldn't crawl, Alex started walking, Bina was no longer walking, she was she never walked. And then around the time when she was about five years old, I got a trampoline in the backyard for Alex to teach him to become a diver like me and teach him to do somersaults and this sort of thing. And then I'd save a little bit of time for Bina and I'd hold her little hands and I would just jump up and down, she'd giggle. By this time she had a cochlear implant so she could hear me and we would talk and such. Um, but then one day, just for grins on the trampoline I stood behind her and I held her little hips and you know kids with CP wiggle and she wiggled a little bit and then I let go of her hips and she took one and a half steps and she fell down and and then she laughed and I was like wow she laughed she never did that before on the floor, so let me try it again. So I held her hips, and, and she took another one and a half steps, fell down, no big deal. Did it a third time, she took two steps. Now I knew I was onto something, so I called to my wife who was up on our deck. I said, Shannon, please come down here, and she came down there, and we were both sitting on the trampoline about five feet apart, and we stood there with our arms apart helping Bina walk back and forth between us, and she was falling down a lot, but that summer – was no longer about teaching Alex how to become a high diver or a diver. Hmm. It was about teaching my then five-year-old daughter how to walk. I have videotape of her first steps, and it's on a trampoline. And this is uh, – now, keep in mind, it's psychological safety. We created not permanent safety, but hmm. temporary safety. Hmm. She couldn't walk on a trampoline for the rest of her life, but she could walk while she could gather some confidence – gain the experience of walking a little bit and then we transferred to we got a wrestling mat and put it on my upper deck and we'd go out there with a piece of masking tape every day in the afternoon this day she would take five steps the next day she'd take four the next day she'd take six and now my daughter is walking as a child with cp 
and I honestly believe it's because we created temper and we stumbled into it, Jay. It was not right. like intentional or by design. Right. We stumbled into the fact that creating psychological safety, even if it's temporary, in order to help people gain confidence to do the hard thing that you're going to have them do, mm. it's essential to, uh, to helping people do courageous things. See, I, and by, I, by the way, Jay, she's the most courageous one in the family. She loves like roller coasters and stuff. And I asked her one day, why do you, you know, why do you do this? Why do you love him so much? She said, I like to get brave. She didn't say I like to be brave. She said, I like to get brave. Like you have oh, to boy. go out and get your bravery. That's awesome. Uh, Bill Treasure is joining us. And when we're walking, we're walking through our, your behavioral steps before we get into how you start, start dealing, how you get courageous, right? So we're doing some preparatory work here before we get courageous, right? And so we, we started by setting the stage here early on by, first of all, you know, we got to jump first, right? You know, sometimes, you know, Bill, Bill, Bill may not say this, I say this, and he may correct me, and I'm okay if he does that, but sometimes you got to leap a little bit before you look, and it's really, yeah, it, it's really true. And then you got to create some psychological safety, and, and maybe it's physical safety for some folks in your business. And then we have to harness fear, because fears, we've talked about this a little bit briefly, but that's the next step you talk about is harnessing fear. So now, how do we harness fear? Yeah. What, what do you mean there? Well, you know, fear is not inert. Uh, it's energy. And right. it's powerful energy. It's just right. like like anger is powerful energy, and fear is powerful energy. So what if you could convert it, those feelings of fear, into feelings of excitement? And you can, and in fact you do. Uh, it is to the extent that you have what's called a psychological protective frame. If you feel that you're inner constitution is strong enough and you gain confidence enough, you can withstand a tremendous amount of fear. The, the problem with fear is that a lot of times when people are afraid, they start getting fixated about how afraid they are. So they become fearful of fear and then they right. drop into a panic attack. Whereas if you could reframe it and say to yourself, you know, what do I need to, what actions can I take to build my confidence in this moment? Instead of thinking about what do I need to do to subdue my fear, so we call that a protective frame. I'm gonna I'm gonna say something, Jay, and it might be controversial on your show, but I'm gonna frame it as a question. So so sure. here goes. Let's go. When you're when you're really really afraid physiologically, right. what are the physiological symptoms you get when you're really afraid? Go ahead and tell me. Oh yours. yeah. Oh well, I could tell you that when I'm when I'm on top of that 12 foot ladder, which I hate, yep. I could feel my palms sweat. Uh, I actually can feel even my head sweat. Mm -hmm. I get a little bit shaky. Mm -hmm. I don't have, even though my core is in really good shape, I all of a sudden don't have that same core strength. It feels like it's a little out of um, control. Like I can't control, like I'm, I feel like I'm moving when I'm probably not, but I feel like I'm shaking. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then I have, I have all these crazy stupid things of doubt <laughs> that run through my head where it's like, I, I've all of a sudden have this thing, of, oh man, what if I fall, right? I'm, all of a sudden, I'm, I'm questioning the, all the bad things that can happen, right? <laughs> right. But, right? Well, well, so I'll ask, I'll ask that same question to groups of people. I'll say, you know, the same, same stuff, you know, palms are sweating, head, my head is sweating. I may not have full confidence. I, I, for, I might blank out. Uh, they, all these responses. Keep in mind when you're really, really afraid and you have those physiological feelings, Oftentimes, they are the same physiological feelings that you will have before you have sex. I know. I just said sex. I love that. Show. I love that. <laughs> it, because both are high arousal states. 
And there's no neurological difference between strong feelings of excitement and strong feelings of fear. In fact, they are neurological correlates that your body doesn't know the difference, whether you're petrified or you're getting ready to go on a roller coaster. They are the same physiological responses. So that goes back to that fear is energy, right? So right. what if you can convert it? You already do. When you go on a roller coaster, when you jump out of an airplane with a parachute, when you go to a scary movie, you're doing those things to feel fear, but in an excited way. If you could harness the energy of fear by converting it to feelings of excitement, and you do that by saying, not how can I subdue my fear, but instead saying, what are the actions I can take to build my confidence in this moment where I'm experiencing fear? Mm. Mm. Love that. Yeah, you, you know, I don't think we think about when we're in these situations, you know, I'm not thinking about harnessing fear when I'm on top of a large ladder, right? You know, like I had to change light bulbs the other day in the garage because my wife asked me to do it and I hated doing it. As a matter of fact, I kept putting it off, right? Because I know how I'm going to feel when I get on top of it, even an eight foot ladder. I know how I feel. I just feel insecure up there and I, it's all sweaty and I don't feel very good up there. It's just kind of one of my things, right? If I could harness that same, and and you're right, the the, the energy is the same. When we look at when we look at the brain scans and the brain imagery, you know, the same places in the brain light up, you know, when we're afraid, as do when we when we're having sex. I'm sorry, it's just really the truth. It's just, it's it's a reality, folks. Sorry, and my ratings of my show just went up because I said the word <laughs> we've said the word sex four times now on this show, uh, and people are like going, oh no no, talk more about that. No, we're talking about his book. It's called <laughs> Brick Urge Goes to Work. So, um, so yes, we're, we're talking about that. Uh, anyway, but no, it, it's really true. Harnessing it, it is energy. And, you know, because we see it as negative energy, I don't think we think about harnessing it in that way. And that leads us then to the next part of this whole thing that you talk about, and that is modulate comfort. Mm-hmm. So what do you mean by that? What I mean, well, first of all, you know, one of the things that I've learned in researching the book and now working with groups over time is that people don't grow in a zone of comfort. We talk about our comfort zone. By the way, I've searched far and wide to see who is the person who came up with that term, comfort zone. There was a book in the early 1990s uh, named comfort zone, but it precedes that. The term does. I can't tell you who discovered that term comfort zone, but it seems like everybody is searching to be in it. But that's not where you grow. We grow, progress, and evolve in a zone of discomfort, not comfort. Mm. I love what Ginny Rometty said. She's the CEO of IBM. And she was speaking to Fortune Magazine's Most Powerful Women's Summit. And she said, comfort and growth don't coexist. Comfort mm. and growth don't coexist. So you've got to, if you want to grow and progress in your field, whatever it may be, whatever your practice and your discipline, your career is, you're not going to grow unless you get uncomfortable. But you can't stay out into the, you know, using your analogy earlier from today, you know, you don't need to be on level 10 of discomfort all the time. Right, right. Because it would be exhausting and it'd probably be unhealthy. But you've got to have some willingness to move out into discomfort on occasion, activate the uh, sweat in your palms to make sure that you're still growing and advancing and not becoming apathetic and not becoming complacent. So you modulate, you go out into discomfort, you gain some skills, you're fully uncomfortable as you do. Over time, you will have those skills, you'll start to gain confidence sometime at some point, 
boredom may set in and boredom is a great clue that you need to amp it back up and move back into discomfort. So you're modulating constantly between comfort and discomfort. And if you're a leader, you got to be watching it. You got to watch your team. When your team starts to get bored, complacent, apathetic, they need a new goal. They need a new challenge. And when they're too out there and really skittish, then sometimes you need to pull it back and put some comfort into the equation. We're talking with Bill Treasurer. He's author of this outstanding book, uh, available Amazon, favorite bookstore. By the way, it's a bestseller. By the way, it's translated in a number of languages as well. So for those of you who are listening around the world, you can actually get this book uh, possibly in your language. Why don't you check it out? It's called Courage Goes to Work, and it's the uh, 10th anniversary edition. Do you know, I love it when my guests slash friends uh, read my mind, and, and you just did it because I... We're jumping ahead a bunch here, and I said, when I wrote you about this, and you talk about the season of hibernation, and you talk about, and I, I love your words, I love your wording, because I believe I do the same thing when I go out and speak, and that is that you're edutaining, you know? <laughs> I yeah. Love, I love, I, I, I do the same thing, right? You do this whole blended learning, you know, lecturettes, and yeah. right, right, that whole thing. So you're speaking at this group. And I'm going to read this. It says, I'm, but I'm here to tell you, there was nothing I could do to spark this team out of their funk. They were comfortable to the point of erosion. <laughs> 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 and, and so I, I thought to myself, wow, there, therein lies the danger of getting too comfortable, right? Because they, they literally went into the season of hibernation where, right, I see this in salespeople. I'm, I know you do too, right? They make a whole bunch of sales and then they get into this hibernative state where they just, you know, they, they kind of just live off their past and they're going to get, eh, they're going to do what they're going to do, right? That whole yeah. thing. And and so you're talking about this. So let's talk about, let's talk about the sales team that, and, and let's do a real world example here. Let's talk about the sales team that has gotten overly comfortable and yeah. they're in that, that's, they're in that um, season of hibernation. What do we do? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. You know, uh, it, it's funny. Sometimes success begins the downfall. You, you know, when you've had a, a couple of successes in a row, you start to get cocky and and now you can become complacent. Um, I, I can remember one time in my own life, I had I had won the Eastern three meter diving championships. And it was the, I was the first diver in West Virginia University history to do that. And when I came back, and that was like on a weekend, and then I came back Monday to practice, and I strutted onto that pool, man. I was a peacock in my Speedo. <laughs> Here I am. I'm going to go up and prove to my team, look at me. I'm the best diver on the East Coast on the three-meter, and I'm going to go on that three-meter, and I own the three-meters all over the East Coast because I am the best. And then I got up there, and I did a simple dive, a reverse dive, and I got lost in the air like an upside-down stink bug, my legs and arms flailing, and I smacked on the top of the water right there in front of the entire team. And it's exactly what my ego needed. It's like, you know, you're, you're... the universe has a way of giving you a reverberation when you get <laughs> cocky, right? And I think sometimes when a, a team is successful um, and they they know it, right? They got it going on. Then they start to become complacent, uh, or they or they'll experience an ego downfall, like I did in that humiliating moment. Right. Um, so what does the team need to do? 
the team needs to mix it up. That, that's when the team, they, they may need to put people in different roles. Uh, they may need a, the, the coach and working with the team might need to brush up on their goals. They might need to refresh their goals. They, they might need to give what I call, Jay, a gulp goal, mm. a goal that is so challenging and scary that it makes you go, gulp. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love that goals. That's brilliant. I love that. I, you, here's the thing. The thing about this book and the thing about the way you wrote it is I love the practicality of the book because the book is really extraordinarily practical and it just makes so much sense. And I really and I really enjoy that piece of it. The the book is entitled again, Courage Goes to Work. So let's start digging in because you know we've got about 20 minutes left or so here. So let's let's dig into courage. Let's let's talk about the three the three types of courage. And you know you, you're very very clear. You know there's try courage, trust courage, and then there's tell courage. And uh, we've already kind of let people in a little bit on the door tell courage, but we'll go into that a little bit later. But let's talk about try courage. Sure. So what do we mean by try courage? What does that look like? And how do how, how do we get through it? Sure. And let me just uh, just pin this for a moment, that when I wrote the book, uh, the publisher, I actually had four buckets of courage. And the publisher said, you know, Bill, people remember things in threes. I don't think you need this fourth bucket of courage. So I nixed it. But we can come back to it. And for your listeners. Oh, can we do a bonus? You. Can we do a uh, bonus bucket? You guys will get a bonus bucket just <laughs> love, for your audience. I love that. We get a bonus bucket. That's awesome. <laughs> But try courage is the the first bucket of courage. And the, and by the way, the, the reason these three buckets of courage matters is a lot of people hear the term courage and they think it's reserved for heroes. You know, like we're going to experience the 50th anniversary of Neil Armstrong walking on the moon. And, and that's a heroic, courageous thing. to. And so people look at that and they're like, I'm not courageous. That guy walked on the moon or I'm not courageous. I never have run up a hill charging at the enemy with a machine gun in my hands. I'm not courageous. I never run into a building on fire. If you compare it against those things, the, it might be true. But there is an accessible, everyday, more tempered experience of courage that anybody could and should experience. So I break courage down into at least these three, maybe four, behavioral buckets that I call the three buckets of courage. The first one is try courage. It's the courage of first attempts, the courage to do something you haven't done before. Other people may have crossed this threshold. They're on the other side of doing this thing. But for you, since it's your first time, it takes action and energy and overcoming inertia. And it it may come with failure. You could wipe out and hurt yourself doing the thing. But if you don't do the thing, you won't be able to join the community on the other side of the threshold that is already doing the thing. So it might be you know, the first time you drove a car or if you started your own business or if when you bought a house there it could be any manifestation of trying something that was a foreign experience to you up until the moment you crossed the threshold and tried it it was the courage of first attempts all right so let's let's you and I have a little fun here with try courage all right because i can i can hear people they're, they're, by the way they're not saying this i'm watching everybody live on facebook live and also watching people here on castbox fm live so they're not saying this, but I know that they they would say this, and that is, well, Bill, Bill. I mean, some people are just born who are more courageous than others, right? I mean, you mean you mean I mean because I'm not born with all that courage. What do you have to say to that, Bill? 
Uh, I'd say that it may seem like that. I, I also think it's a little bit of a cop out because I think what happens is that people are like, well, I'm not courageous, but look at so and so. They're so courageous. Well, the truth is, I believe that every human being. Uh, gets to experience their courage in some area of their life. But when you are being courageous, and if you do it consistently over time, for you in that area, it won't look like courage. And for you, it's just like, well, I can do that. That's not hard for me. Like for me, I, I'm fine. I'm perfectly fine with speaking in public. I've done it since right. I was a kid. I'm not kidding, Jay, when I tell you this. My mom and dad used to make me stand on my head in a clown outfit singing The Rain in Spain at cocktail parties when I was like five and six years old. There That's we have not it. it. <laughs> now, aside from the therapy bills that I had to pay later in life, it taught me how to be uh, comfortable in front of audiences. And then I did 2,000 performances with the U.S. High Diving Team in front right. of groups from 2,000 to 40,000. So speaking in public, which is a type of courage, sure. is not hard for me. Right. But speaking up to a boss or an authority figure uh, is still kind of hard for me. Uh, so I think that sometimes people see other people and judge their outsides by their own insides and think, well, I'm not courageous, but that person is. But I'll bet if I dug around deep enough and long enough, I would find a piece of courage in everybody's life and they might not even recognize it as courage because it's not hard for them. Yeah, I, I agree with you because I, I am a firm believer in that you just have to sometimes you just have to just do it right i mean you just have to just go and and you're gonna have to do it afraid sorry i mean the, the try courage is about doing things afraid and yeah. and you just you and you just have to you just have to be committed to it and go all right whatever happens happens i'm going i'm going for it man and and because i think so often people Stop it, try courage. They never get to trust courage or tell courage because they, they can't get past try courage, in my mm. opinion, just based on what you how you've written the book. And the reason why they never get to trust or tell is because they can't try. And it's because they get so frozen that they get stuck, right? And so which is why, you know, I do shows like this and have guests like you to help people get unstuck so that they will ultimately try courage and and, and do that. And I, I people just got to get... You just got to commit to it and go sometimes, man. I mean, that's just, that's all you could do. I mean, I, you gave the example, you know, so often what we try to do is we try to shame people or punish people to get them to motivate, but that's not the way, that's not the way reinforcement punishment works, right? Punishment actually is supposed to stop the behavior, not make the behavior go. And so, you know, when you talk about it in the book, right, you know, you're encouraging you to try. Right is what we're trying to do, encouraging people to do it. Afraid. By the way, and we're talking with the author of this unbelievable book called "Courage Goes to Work." His name is Bill Treasure. He is a CEO. He's a chief encouragement officer. <laughs> I love it too. So I know you do. And by the way, the book is outstanding. It's fabulous. We're just starting through the different buckets of courage. Right. We just we just gone through try courage, and he's brought to you today by Inline Business Brokers and Advisors. And I want to tell you something about Inline Business Brokers and Advisors. Inline Business Brokers and Advisors represent profitably privately held companies with gross annual incomes and revenues in excess of a million dollars. Inline delivers the highest market value in the shortest amount of time with complete confidentiality. That is their registered trademark. So if you want to learn more about the internationally known business brokers, literally it's inline and you need to just go to inline.com. That's E-N-L-I-G-N.com. And Linda Craft and Team Realtors. No matter where you're at in the world, Linda Craft and her team can help you find the right home or help you sell 
your home by matching you up with the best expert in your area. And if you happen to be in the Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill, Research Triangle Park area, why don't you stop into 7300 Six Forks Road in Raleigh and find out why they have legendary customer service. And they are bringing you uh, Courage Goes to Work and Bill Treasure, who we are so honored to have here on A New Direction. So, Bill, we've talked about Try Courage. Now let's talk about Trust Courage. Right. So, you know, you can't have strong bonds of interpersonal relationships without trust. And it's hard. It's hard to entrust other people because there's always a risk that they could betray you or let you down. Mm. So hence, therein lies the courage is how do I trust? How do I get to a place where I can trust somebody get disarmed? And there's a certain degree of emotional vulnerability. I'm exposed. I'm going to lay it all on the line. I'm going to entrust you with something, my heart or maybe a task. I don't know. I'm going to entrust you. Now it's up to you. And if you mess up or betray me, now I'm the fool. So we all have been betrayed at some point and start to put little little bricks around our heart and we start to say, you know, once a fool, shame on you, twice a fool, shame on me, I'm not going to trust again. Right. And we start building trust stalemates with other people. But if you can't get to trust, and this takes courage, because we get jaded, it becomes really hard to do. How do I learn to trust again after I've been betrayed? But if mm. you can't get there, you're not going to have strong interpersonal relationships mm. with the people around you that you need. And if you're a leader, you need to have strong relationships with the people that you're leading and loyalty. And it won't come if you can't learn how to trust. Mm-hmm. Such a huge five-letter word, is it not? Mm. It's, it's a huge five-letter word that we we have so many different philosophies. I, you know, I, I've taught this I've taught this at the college level where I've said, you know, trust is like respect. It's not earned, it's given. Mm. Because, and, and I will have students say to me all the time, oh, no, 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 you have to earn my trust. And I said, really? I said, so give me the list. What's the list of everything that I need to do to get your trust? <laughs> and let me write it out, and so and they'll put it on the board, right, for me. And I'll go, okay, I'm going to do all these things. At the end of the day, you still choose to trust me or not. If I do every one of those things, you still have a choice. You do not have to trust me just because I do everything you want me to do. Right. Yeah, there. The, it's. I'll ask that. It's interesting you say that, Jay. I ask a lot of groups that I work with, I'll have them fill in the blank to this statement. I will trust you when... Dot, dot, dot. And then I have them give me their criteria to that question. And so many people are, I will trust you when you prove it to me, when you follow through and you do this. Like uh, everybody has to dance for you to to uh, (laughs) until you trust, you know, (laughs) but but we hardly ever consider the other side of the equation is, am I a trustworthy person? Am I worthy of trust? Um, Am I uh, do I act in ways that are worthy of the people's trust that they'll be giving me. And we don't, we often were so fixated on the other person, you know, I don't know if I could trust them or not, that we don't think about, am I somebody who, who uh, is doing trustworthy things? Well, I think one of the great points you make in the book, and I, I really hope people get this from you, is that you said, you, you know, so often people will come to you and say, well, you know, trust is something that you have to develop over time. And then you you kind of really just rip that whole thing apart by going, yeah, well, 
Although, you know, I can walk into a meeting where they don't even know me and they will tell me their deepest, darkest secrets, you know, in three minutes, right? <laughs> they're going to trust me, but they're going to trust me with their crap in like three minutes, right? So, I mean, this whole idea that, oh, it's going to, it's got to develop over time is just erroneous, right? Right. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I walk in, I'll work with a, a group of people, I'll walk in and then the 30 minutes I've known, like I'll do one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions, right? And speaking to somebody I've never spoken to before. And within 30 minutes, they're telling me stuff about their work environment that they haven't told their own bosses or the people around them for, you know, 20 years. Uh, now, sometimes it might be fear, but sometimes it's a matter of they're willing to disclose with me, but they're only willing to show one sense of their self, one dimension of themselves in their work life, and then leave their humanity at the front door. <laughs> I'm sorry, but it's true. You're, I, okay, go, okay, go ahead. Keep going. I keep going because it's true. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to laugh, but I mean, it's it's so true. That, that they do this. All right. Were you going to add more to that or was that? No, you know, only that, that, that courage that, that you can see how courage is needed, right? Like right. when it comes to trust, because let's just, we'll break it down and make it really simple. A lot of managers, a lot of first time managers struggle with delegation. Like if I delegate to this person and they screw up, now I got to do the work. And by the way, I could have done it quicker myself. And so I'm going to hover over them instead and micromanage what they're doing because I don't want them to drop the ball. Nobody likes to be micromanaged. Like, Jay, one of the things I'll ask audiences when I'm doing a keynote is I'll say, you know, how many of you in the room have ever been described as or would describe yourself as controlling mm. and a lot of hands go up and so does mine by the way and then I ask people a second question how many of you absolutely love to be controlled by people and then no hands go up and it you know it's the more controlling you are as a person the the less you personally like to be controlled oh absolutely and a lot of times people that have a hard time trusting have big control issues that they are and they, that's the hard part. How do I give up control because I might get hurt? And it's one thing to get physically hurt and scrape your knees. But, man, when you get emotionally hurt and hurt in the heart, whew, that's some serious kind of pain. So people avoid it by not giving their trust because they're afraid of getting betrayed. I see this, too. I see this, too, when I'm consulting when I'm consulting CEOs or founders or owners of a business. I see this all the time that they're such control freaks. And they, they don't want to give up that control because they're like, they feel so responsible, right? And then, you know, you will you probably have done the same thing when you've walked into a corporation or a business, right? And you're doing your consulting and you walk in and this, you know, this person's a complete control freak and is micromanaging everything has, has some sort of system for the system for the system, right? That they're doing, right? And you're going, you know, right? You don't trust anybody. Right. And, he, and he'll say, oh, no, I trust my people. I, I really do trust my people. I go, really? Well, it's interesting because you're doing everything. Be and somebody who does everything doesn't trust their people. Right. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. and and they can't. It's hard for them to let go. What do you say to them? What's been your way of handling it? I know what I do, but I mean, what do you what do you do to encourage to encourage trust courage? Yeah, you know, I, I wish I could say that there was a silver bullet for it. I can tell you this, that I was not not accused, but rightly given feedback that I was a micromanager. I had done a 360-degree feedback where my people were rating me, my peers were rating me, and my boss rated me. And my direct reports, get the most consistent feedback was that I'm a micromanager. 
And so I sat down with them, not not to like get them in trouble, but to sit down with them. I'm like, help me. Like, I don't want to do this. So so please help me. Give me some examples of when they've, I've done it. And they gave me some good and useful examples. In my own work with leaders, I have to say the most common way of overcoming this need to control or this need to uh, not uh, or to micromanage is desperation. They get so – what happens is they end up taking on everybody's work because they want to do it to perfection and they don't trust anybody around them. And they get so swamped and so in the thick of the quicksand of that that at some point the only way to cry uncle is to say, you know what, like a, like a, uh, you know, a swear word. They they say F it. I'm just right. gonna I'm gonna give I'm just gonna I have to I have no choice. Right. I'm gonna delegate this to you. I hope you can get it done good. Please report back to me four days from now. Let me know how it went. Right. I got to go on to these three other things that I took on that I shouldn't have taken on. Right. And it's that desperation. And when they find out that the person didn't drop the ball and in fact did a competent job, they become much more willing than the next time to give it to somebody and somebody else, et cetera. So sometimes you have to learn the negative consequences of being over controlling and mm. delegating uh, and not delegating, micromanaging, and you suffer those consequences and it stings enough that you say, you know what, it's not worth it. I gotta learn how to do this. You, you know what I find so fabulous about this book is that while you're in trust courage, you actually have to go back to try courage, don't you? Right? I mean, that's that. What I, what I found was fabulous about you is that here you are trying to develop trust courage, but you actually have to go back to try courage so that you can trust. Right. And it's, you have, yeah. You have to, to take the risk, step over the threshold, and try something that is new and foreign and, and uncomfortable for you because it's going to be the way that you're going to be able to experience it and and gain the benefit from it and do it again. And we're back to fear, right? I mean, the reason why somebody's controlling is because they're afraid of relinquishing control. So, right? So we're back to the fear-based thing. I've got to try to get over my fear, right? So I'm going to have to, so I, I got to do it afraid again, right? So we got to, it, it, I, this, this is the beauty of your book. I mean, the beauty of your book is these things are so well entwined, the, these buckets. I mean, literally, there's a bucket pouring inside a bucket pouring inside a bucket, and it's in this circular bucket pouring thing. I know that's crazy, <laughs> but it really is because it, it, it really does. It, it's it's that incredible, and which is why I love this book entitled Courage Goes to Work by Bill Treasure, who I am talking to right now. And by the way, do you hear in his voice why he's a CEO, Chief Encouragement Officer? Yeah, see what he did there? So do you hear it? Because, right, because he's an encouraging guy. And you know what he says in his book? He says in his book, you know what an encourager does? It literally means to give the other person your courage, right? And sometimes that's what we need to do is we need to give other people their courage. And we're going to get to the next part of the courage. Do you, do you have time, Bill? To yeah, we, yeah, we, sure. We, I'm we, loving it. Okay, are you good? And you, you just turned my book into an Escher uh, picture. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard. I've never. Nobody's ever said that to me on the, on the show before, ever. That's pretty. That's pretty awesome. Uh, by the way, thanks to everybody who's joining us live. I mean, uh, I, I I can't mention all your names because they're all over the place here. Uh, Castbox FM, uh, which we are doing a live cast right now, and of course we're on Facebook Live, and of course all you people who are downloading the show. Thank you for joining us as well. So let's let's move right into tell courage, right? Because this is the one where I think we fear the most, uh, this is where I've gotten myself in trouble, is uh, telling, uh, you know, is having the courage to say something to your CEO, maybe saying something even to your spouse, right? Let's be honest there, right? Sometimes we have to have courage to say, the, tell the truth to the spouse, you know, you know, here's what's going on, or I don't approve, or I don't like, or whatever the question may be, right? Let's talk about tell courage. 
Yeah. So the third bucket of courage, and it's the te- it's the courage of the truth teller. Now we we often think of like I'll ask groups before I even go into the three buckets of courage. Give me some examples of courage in their workplace, and and like nine out of ten of them are about somebody saying something that nobody else had the courage to say. And this is this bucket. This is tell courage. The voice, the courage of voice and assertiveness. The courage of the truth teller. You know what's interesting is I have some friends, uh, Barry Posner and Jim Cousins, who wrote a book called The Leadership Challenge, sold millions of copies, and they continue to be preeminent researchers in the area of leadership. And they will tell you that cross-culturally, people, when you ask people what they look for and admire in a leader, the number one attribute that we seek in a leader is honesty. We want the truth teller. We want the honest leader in front of us who is square to us and tells us like it is. And yet, when we think about it ourselves, honesty ain't so easy. Like you just mentioned, you know, your spouse. And if your spouse says, honey, do I look fat in this dress? (laughs) Danger. Danger, 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 <laughs> you know, and, or in my case, honey, is, is my bald spot getting bigger? <laughs> you know, we, we do socially appropriate lying all the time oh, and we're God, taught to since we're a little kid, you know, don't, you know, don't talk back to strain, don't talk back to your elders. And, yeah. you, you know, some of the earliest messages are about biting our tongue if, and being it, right. diplomatic. If you can't say something nice, then don't say anything at all. I still get that from my wife. She, she's literally, I love my wife. She's fantastic. And she has made me a better man. And she still says stuff like that. To me. <laughs> you know, I guess I don't say enough nice things. Um, but the, but this idea, it takes courage to be a truth teller. And a lot of people learn to bite their tongue to go along and get along. And as I mentioned before, you know, try courage comes with the, the risk that I might wipe out and hurt myself. Trust courage comes the risk that you might wipe out and hurt me by your mistake or betrayal. And then tell courage is if I say this delicate but honest thing, I might get cast outside of the group. Mm. I might they, the tribe of which I'm a member might push me out and say, we don't like your views. They're not consistent with ours anymore. You don't belong here. Mm. And we all love to be part of a tribe. We love feelings of belonging and, and membership. And so if I say the honest, truthful thing that I'm feeling, um, how will the group react? And so a lot of times we bite our tongues because we don't want to be cast out. We don't want the repercussions mm. of being a truth teller. Now, there are people on the other side of that, like you, Jay. Like, like honesty is one of your full buckets of courage. Um, a lot of people are, are not that honest uh, and b- for the reasons that I just mentioned. So I think that each person is sort of strong in one bucket and deficient in other buckets or one other bucket. And this, what we need to do is try to borrow from our confident bucket into the areas where we don't have as much confidence. Yeah, and, and this is where I really felt like the buckets kind of all spill into each other, right? Because you talk about this in the book. Uh, by the way, the book's called Courage Goes to Work. Uh, how to build backbones, boost performance, and get results. I think this is where the buckets kind of spill into each other. And and one of the things you do make a real big deal is sometimes you've got to use a bucket that you're actually more full of, and you've got to use that to help you get through maybe one of the other buckets, or maybe you're full of two buckets and to get in your week in another bucket. And you need to use those 
to help you know gain some control over the other buckets. I think tell courage though, and one of the things that you say, and I think this is the obvious thing. There's two there's two sides to this. I I love what you said about you know, introverts and extroverts. You know, we have a tendency to say there's one another, and the truth is it's a continuum. You know, you, the fact of the matter is you have a little bit of both, and you just lean a little heavier one way, but given the right incident or the right situation, you're going to be a little bit more introverted. You're going to be a little bit more extroverted. It's it's not an either or. It's not two sides of a coin. It's actually one coin. It's just that we we do that, and I think that's this. I think the truth is that this is true with tell courage. I think that given the right circumstances, I think people will have the freedom to be honest. I think when they get into their job, and this is my experience, and I think hopefully it is your too. I, well, I know it is because this is what you wrote about. But I think when it comes to their job, they're so afraid of losing their job that they're afraid to tell the truth to the people mm-hmm. they need to tell the truth to. So then it becomes water cooler fodder. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And so right. we don't do it. Right. Yeah. So then it spills out in other sort of uh, what would we call it malproductive ways, right, ways right. that are not, uh, you know, that are not that are more destructive than constructive. And one, sometimes people will ask me, so, you know, so what do I do? How do I I've got a boss who I can't speak up to. Uh, you know, what do I do about that? So what I tell people is when you're having your performance review with your boss or even if you're just recalibrating your goals, some career conversation you're having with your boss about you, ask your boss during that conversation, hey, boss, you know, I just want to be clear. Do you need me to, you know, sort of agree with everything you say or is it okay if I occasionally, you know, disagree with you? Mm. Now, I'm telling you, Jay, I got to think at least 95 percent, maybe more of leaders are going to say, no, I I don't need you to disagree with me uh, or, or agree with me. I need you, in fact, to sometimes disagree with me. I don't right. want another yes person and sycophant around me. No, I, please, you've got to be able to uh, disagree with me. Then your commitment is to say, you know what? I'll honor this commitment with you, boss. I just need some guidance from you. I need some coaching from you. What's the best way for me to disagree with you in a way that your ears won't hear it as disrespect of your leadership? Right. And then your boss will give you some coaching. They'll say, you know, don't do it when I'm getting ready to go into the board meeting. Don't do it when I'm, uh, you know, don't do it in front of the other team members during the staff meeting. They'll give you the coaching. So then you fast forward six months from now when you actually do have to disagree with your boss. And then you take them aside and you say, hey, boss, remember when we made that commitment that day that you don't want to be surrounded by another yes person and you said that it's part of my job, in fact, to disagree with you. I'm going to honor the commitment that I made that day with you with what I have to say next. Mm -hmm. So basically what you're doing is you're setting a ground rule. As long as you set the ground rule with your boss and they were involved in the crafting of the ground rule – and they know that what to expect because they gave you the coaching on it. You'll be able to be way more honest than if you never have that conversation with your boss. I didn't do that, Bill. Um, I wish I had that conversation. I'm but... glad you did because you, <laughs> I don't know you'd have this show if you if you had had that. And I'd much rather have you do this than what you're doing. Bill, I didn't do that with my boss. I just kind of blurted it out and said, this is wrong. <laughs> and it didn't go so well. Uh, you know, no, I disagree with you. What, what do you mean? I, 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 I would say it right in the middle of the meeting. No, I, no, I don't agree. I, this, I think, well, think, okay, yeah, well, that cost me, you know. <laughs> but I, I mean, I, I wish I'd had that conversation. I wish I had that conversation up front and said, you know, hey, you know, listen, 
do you, what do you want from me? Do you want me to be, you know what though? It wouldn't have worked, Bill, for me. Because mm-hmm. I could not be a yes person. I just can't do it. I can't. Right. I and, can't and do it. Be right. Like as a matter of principle, uh, you shouldn't be a, a yes person. That said, you can get coaching from your boss on how can you right. be a person that has occasional disagreements, but in a way that they will see it. In fact, as respect, right. the, that they'll see it as a they, they've deputized you to be a check on them. Uh, with their full permission, and then they're an advocate of the truth that you might tell them. And part of it is being a velvet hammer. Sometimes right. you got to, you know, put more velvet, and sometimes you got to put more hammer. You know, do you know what I love about this principle, though, because it's so applicable to any relationship, actually. Because what if people were to tell their significant other up front and go, "Can we have a talk about honesty? Because I, I need to know what is the best way." for us to handle honesty going forward Mm. because you know i mean i'm just thinking about the marriage i'm just thinking about the marriage piece of this right Mm. what if you could go into your husband or your wife or and you were able to say to your spouse before you were married can we talk about how we're going to handle honesty you know how do you want me to handle that with you you know like if 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 there is if there's a situation where i feel like i really need to say something what's the best way for me to handle that with you what would the marriages be like? What would the mm. relationships be like if we handled that business up front, just like you described? What would that be like that we would have that permission instead of, you know, sometimes using anger and then it gets explosive, right? Because that's what happens so often when we're telling the truth is that we can often be explosive out of anger mm. because we've had enough and we've built up resentments and that resentment builds up. And then the next thing we know, we're being honest, but it's not a velvet hammer. Matter of fact, what it is, it's, it's a great big giant sledgehammer with razor blades all over it right and uh we're swinging it wildly because we've built up all these resentments and let it go what would it be like if we were able to just do tell courage up front like that it'd be it'd be beautiful right and back to the escher thing it would also fortify the trust between you because it's a really beautiful moment when you can be that honest but being that honest has a degree of emotional exposure you're you're getting disarmed and you're saying look i've got no weaponry here i'm just here another human being in front of you wanting to connect differently you know and and here's my full honesty that that's uh that's a really vulnerable place to be you come out of it i think with much deeper levels of trust between the two of you. Mm, I love that. I mean, that's that's beautiful. By the way, we're talking we're talking with uh, Bill Treasure and uh, in his book here, Courage Goes to Work, an unbelievable book. And we've just gone through the three buckets of courage. Bill, I've kept you way over time, and I am so sorry. And no, don't be apologetic. No, no, no apology needed, dude. It was I've so enjoyed this. I continue to enjoy it. Take as much time as you need. So. Bill, let me... and I and I also know that there are people in Israel on the beach listening to us. <laughs> Ron, it's on a beach. Ron... So I got to give him everything that they deserve and the sun out there. Yeah, she she's on a beach and Ron, it's on a beach in Israel. And she said, "Would you please?" She said, and she knows she has this beautiful Israeli accent, right? And she said, "Will you please mention my name?" And it's, it's like, "Okay, sure, right, man." And so I, I think her whole family's probably listening to the show in Israel right now in Tel Aviv. So outside of Tel Aviv, so I, I appreciate them doing that. So. uh can we do the bonus piece? What was the oh, bonus? Yeah, Let's yeah. do the bonus bucket. I'm glad you remembered. Glad you remembered. Yeah. So what I, I find this – so it was in the original book and and uh, and then the publisher uh, you know, hemmed and hawed and, and strongly encouraged me to take it out. And then I started doing 
uh, courage building workshops and inevitably basically the same topic would come up. People would raise their hands and ask about it and they would say, you know, it's one thing to have the courage to say something to someone. But it takes courage also to hear what the person has to say and not get defensive and not want to argue about it, but just take the feedback. And so I call this bucket take in courage. So try, trust, tell, take in. And this is when you receive feedback that runs counter to how your current perception is of yourself. Then do you reject it and fight it off and blame the other person and feel like a victim, feel verbally assaulted? Or do you ingest the feedback and consider it and use it as a gift and maybe even maybe change your identity as a result of the feedback? Now, by the way, this feedback can be not just negative. It might be positive feedback. Mm. A lot of times you'll give women a compliment, whereas you give you know, men a compliment and they'll be like, yeah, I know. I know I did that thing. I did it myself too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but if you say it to a woman, they're like, "Oh, it was no big deal. I, it wasn't even me. There were, there, you know, there's plenty of other people involved. Seriously, it's not a big deal." And and they are not good at taking a compliment. So sometimes it's, um, you know, whatever the feedback may be, to be able to just sort of say thank you, not feel like your identity is threatened, consider the change that maybe the feedback is impelling you to make, and be able to take it courageously, right? And that's not easy to do. There are some people that are just super sensitive to feedback. Mm. Uh, I've seen it. I guess occasionally I've done it. Um, and sometimes it matters who is the mouth that's giving me the feedback too. Because mm. you know there might be somebody that I don't trust or somebody who I don't frankly like. And then two weeks later, I'll get the same feedback at a party from somebody else. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, you know what? You're right about that. Um, so this idea of being able to take in feedback and it's, it's different. It is, it's more of like a, uh, it is a bit introverted, if you will, in that tell courage, I'm voicing something, try courage, I'm sort of doing something action oriented. Trust courage is a little bit of vulnerability and that could have some introversion to it, but take in, I'm really having to take that feedback positive or negative and consider it without feeling threatened mm. so t so it's taking in it's get it's having the courage to take in whatever that, that criticism right and, and you know my wife my wife is so uh like you you, I, you probably have this wife who actually speaks truth into your life and makes you a better human being uh mine mine certainly does that and you know she will she will constantly say to me you know in every criticism there's a hint of truth can you mm -hmm. can you find the truth in the criticism you know and because I, I no one likes to be criticized right i mean you and i write books and we speak and you know sometimes people are not very kind to us because we're out right. in the public eye and not but you know i have to i even though i people can be critical i have to look for the i have to look for the truth in that right i mean is that is that part of taking having the courage to take a look at the criticism honestly and going Okay, you know what? Okay, maybe they didn't phrase it right, but yeah, there's some truth in here that I need to fix. Yeah, find the nugget of the truth. Um, I remember on Amazon once with my first book, Right Risk, it's called. Um, I'm, I'm fond of the book. I'm, I'm proud of all my books. They're like babies. Um, but there, and, it, and that book to this day holds a five-star review, but one person <laughs> gave it a three-star and said that, uh, that it should be called self-righteous. Uh, risk. 
I'm sorry. Because <laughs> they were like, I was like preachy. And, you know, it was my first book. I was in my young 30s. And I, I look back at it now and I look back at it then. And, and I said, okay, I don't love that feedback, but I could see where they're coming from. Sure. And I could see there, there are places in that book where I'm, you know, pointing my finger at the reader and, and uh, wagging it, right? right. And, and that was helpful because it helped me. I still need to make points to the reader sometimes. And, sure, and in fact, sure. sometimes I need to provoke the conscience of the reader. But I, I do it differently than I did then. Um, I, you know, but first, I almost always now start with vulnerability by opening up something about me that is imperfect before I ever turn to the reader and invite them to think about themselves. But that fe- piece of feedback was good versus, you know, sometimes you will get feedback that's really, you have to think about it, maybe n- not so credible. So mm. I, on a different book, uh, somebody put on Amazon, they, again, five-star book, actually, I think it was Courage Goes to Work, and they said, are we really going to take advice from somebody who worked at um, Anderson, the company that supported Enron? <laughs> okay, so I, I worked at I worked at Anderson Consulting, and right. they were talking about Arthur Anderson. It was a right. wholly different company right. that, in fact, we had sued. Anderson Consulting had sued Arthur Anderson and won the lawsuit and lost our name, and we changed the name to Accenture. So this person was giving me feedback about something that was not factual in any way, shape, right. or form. I did not work at Arthur Anderson, and even even this, the comment itself was stupid and ridiculous you know, because we're going to trust somebody who, who supported Enron. I didn't support Enron, nor did I support the company that, that you know, so, <laughs> you know, so you you will get feedback. And by the way, I asked Amazon to remove that one, and they did. Really? They did. How about know? that? Because I was like, hey, dude, I'm fine with negative feedback. Here's proof. Here's the one about my self-righteousness over here. But here's some feedback that's not true, and I think that that's, you know, it's kind of like fake news, and they right. took it off. Good for you. Hey, this is Bill. You're talking. We're talking. You're talking with. I'm talking with him. You're listening. Uh, his name is Bill Treasure. He wrote this outstanding book, Courage Goes to Work. Huh? What do you think? He gave us an extra bucket, right? Right. Take in courage. He gave us the extra bucket. And uh, by the way, he's not done yet. But I got to do this, right? You know, listen, we're do we're going overtime here, and Bill has been so gracious to go overtime. So you know what? If I go overtime, I have to just also say thank you to our sponsors because. You know they pay they pay to keep me on to do on the show and and they pay for the show and and I I'm grateful to them right I mean you know inline business brokers and advisors who is the very first sponsor of the show they're internationally known they're one of the most premier um, business brokers in the world and here they are sponsoring uh, my show a year ago right because the show the show is now a year old. And it has grown by leaps and bounds. And they have literally helped thousands of people in the sale and purchase of businesses. They only represent profitably, uh, profitable privately held companies with gross annual revenues in excess of a million dollars. They do deliver the highest market value in the shortest amount of time with complete confidentiality. It is the registered trademark. Learn more by going to inline.com. It's E-N-L-I-G-N.com. Jeff Snell and his people are outstanding. And I'm very grateful for them to sponsor the show. And actually, and also Linda Craft and Team Realtors. They're located in Raleigh. But they can help you anywhere in Raleigh, North Carolina. But they can help you anywhere in the world. Listen, they are known for having legendary customer and ser- customer service when it comes to real estate. Why don't you check them out by going to lindacraft.com. It's L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T.com. And uh, they brought they've brought you this, uh, this great book, Courage Goes to Work, and this amazing person, Bill Treasure, who um, I have 
uh, and I'm, I don't mind saying this on the air, I, I've fallen in love with him. And and uh, I, I read his book. Uh, it brought me to tears. I'm, I'm not going to go into it, but I'm just going to tell you that if you buy this book, it's going to be life-changing on every level. So, Bill, before I let you go, yeah, uh, I ask every one of my friends, because now we're friends, because we've been on for an hour and 18 minutes, and uh, not counting the time we spent before, and it feels like such a short period of time, and it and it makes me sad because I don't want you to go. <laughs> I just, I just <laughs> well, to... I've enjoyed it, Jay. Truly, you know, I, I do a, a good bit of interviews, whether it's podcast or radio, and this was this was a special one. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, because I got to tell you, you've been so amazingly gracious, and I'm I'm grateful. I ask every guest slash friend, um, because you're a friend now, because we've we've talked a long time. The show's called A New Direction because we try to help people find a new direction in their life or their career or their business. And if Bill Treasure, author of um, Courage Goes to Work, if he were to give um, the folks out there a um, new direction, what would what would Bill Treasure say? I'll give your listeners uh, two two words. The the first two words are something that a, a priest one time told me. And uh, they've stuck with me forever. And he sort of he, he put his hands on my head and he said, Bill, you've got to remember personal fidelity, personal fidelity. And and he his whole point was that you've got to have faithfulness with yourself. That And he didn't mean it in a selfish way. He meant in a self-respectful way and in a self-goodness way to honor your dreams be faithful to your dreams, have personal fidelity. And I think that those two words are really powerful. The other two words that inform those two words are whenever you're facing something hard, challenging, scary, something that you want that you don't have, don't be a malcontent. Always apply these two words, be courageous. They will help you do the next right thing, whatever the next right thing in your life is. So remember, personal fidelity backed up with be courageous. Awesome. Stay with me, will you please, Bill? Yeah. For just a few minutes. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the show. His name is Bill Treasure. The book is called Courage Goes to Work. You can find it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, your favorite bookstore. I imagine it's even up in Canada in chapters. You Canadians who listen to me, I appreciate you listening to me, but I promise you it's probably chapters bookstore, which is huge, right? So get it there too as well. Again, it's the 10th anniversary edition called Courage Goes to Work by Bill Treasurer. Treasurer is his name, and he's a CEO. He's a chief encouragement officer, and I love that about him. Folks, as I say every week, you know what? Be inspired, because when you're inspired, that allows you to inspire other people, and when we do that, that allows them to inspire someone else. And if we all do that every day, what happens is we're able to change this world in an amazing way and in a very positive way. So be inspired. I have another great guest coming for you next week. Have a great holiday, and you know what? Ciao, everybody. And the answers don't make sense You got to keep your hope alive You got to know you can survive This is your time to find A new direction, a brand new day A new direction, things are gonna change Your 
清楚这。